So like a couple of minutes ago, you were just standing, peeking through the drapes, uh, looking down at the street where two families had decided to meet, I suppose, for a play date with their kids. I think so, yeah. I mean, you make it sound weird, but I wasn't creeping. I was just checking, you know, to see if they were going to leave anytime soon. Which is just so funny, because it's just you being like, okay, they're getting in the car. <laughs> they're closing the door. I think they're saying their goodbyes. I was like, okay, the kid's are in. Okay, which means that they're probably going to leave in at least under half an hour. Because we've been trying to record for like the last 20 minutes, and it's just been like children laughing, screaming, whatever it is kids do, gurgling. Yeah, which is fine. Just, uh, you know, we had to wait. <laughs> but it's fine now. Listen to that. Listen. Silence. <laughs> it's beautiful. But yeah, as I was saying, uh, the ancient Greeks used to eat uh, donkey toes. Yeah, that grosses me out in a major way. Mm. So they suck the gelatin out from the toes? Uh, I think that's probably how they would have it. I don't know whether like they would just sort of roast it or they would put it in sauce. I, I like. I imagine it's covered in sauce, which they then slap out of the. Ooh, we'll make that that sound that like. Yeah, <laughs> sound of deliciousness. That's disgusting. And also, what gazelle brains? Uh-huh. Why? Why specifically gazelle? I oh. mean, that must be hard to catch gazelles. I think it was like quite attractive to eat something exotic. Oh, yeah. isn't it? Um, ancient Romans also used to have like these lavish orgies where they had I don't know baby rats or whatever. No, oh, yeah, m- mice were a delicacy. They'd be like, "Can eat mice? <laughs> Delicious." So would it be weird if I kind of am a bit curious about what honeyed mice would taste like? No, I know. I actually also wanted to know. Like, I mean, there's some things where you could sort of tell would just be gross. Like, I mean, I'm not going to eat the anus of any animal. Ew. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, baby mice and honey, you never know. <laughs> I feel like it might be quite nice, like, especially if you make it sort of crunchy, like you roast it till it's crispy. Yeah. And then, get like, crispy dipped outer, in... the like, skin. Yeah, and, like, and then honey, and then, like, what the... Like, general towels, uh, honeyed mice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I feel like it could be very, very interesting. Okay, that's not the podcast. Okay. Hello. Hello, hello. How are you? How are you, our fair listeners? Our gentle... Thespians. Thespians. Our legionnaires, as we've decided to call you. <laughs> what do you think of that fan name? Please do leave a comment or maybe uh, stalk us outside our window and shout it to the heavens. <laughs> maybe just start with being our fans. <laughs> we might need to get some before we actually start calling them well once we do get fans we were floating the idea of calling you guys legionnaires mm, i thought it was apt yeah so um what's new with you oh you know uh, i cleaned the car i spent quite a few good minutes sort of just brushing uh you know the mats in the car yeah yeah i, I brushed them really well right? i'm proud of it it's <laughs> good so the job well done. Mm, I think so. I think so. That was mostly the day. I got up at five this morning. Bye. Um, you know, just for the vibes. <laughs> for the vibes. I brush my teeth and then sort of crawl back into bed. <laughs> and then sort of just read. <laughs> Not sure why I brush my teeth, but then I go back to bed. But anyway. As you can see, it's gripping. Gripping yeah, news. This is great news. You know? Please tell us more about your toothbrushing exploration. <laughs> so you gotta brush I brush always from left to right. <laughs> You gotta concentrate on each tooth for at least 30 seconds. <laughs> you know? <laughs> What's new with you? Um, 
Yeah, also not that much, you know. <laughs> this is so exciting right now. People are gripped, <laughs> enthralled. I mean, how much more do you expect from quarantining? It's yeah. like, what new? Oh, I don't know. A bird flew past my window this morning. <laughs> oh my goodness, what type? <laughs> I wonder how many people are actually becoming avid bird watchers in quarantine. Oh, shame. Finally, the community is growing. <laughs> <laughs> Ornithologists unite. <laughs> Uh, no, I have not actually paid attention to the birds. I don't like birds much, mm-hmm. except the majestic toucan. Hey, have you ever Googled toucan skull? No, no, toucan skeleton. skeleton. Yes, yes, I have. It's amazing. It's creepy. It's honestly, do it if you have not done it. Yes. It's an experience everyone needs to have. Mm. Um, well, I can tell you something that is news. Mm-hmm. It's the new ridiculous restrictions for lockdown. Oh, yes. Uh, so now clothing stores can sell goods, but they can only sell specific uh, so-called essential clothing items. So no open-toed shoes, no mm-hmm. flip-flops, because apparently that's not winter clothing and is non-essential. Yeah, apparently they can't sell t-shirts either. And I find it hilarious because, number one, this is winter in South Africa, which means it never gets really cold. I mean... Yeah, we say as we were wearing jackets. <laughs> but I mean, it's not like coat and jacket. You know, yeah, weather. it's it's really like you would still need to wear t-shirts on a few days because sometimes it gets really hot. So, you know, there's it's stupid there being restrictions. And then also it's just sort of arbitrary. I mean, people are already social distancing. They're not touching each other. So what's wrong with selling flip-flops? I mean, yeah, no, it's, it's are we really random. going around like smearing our toes over people's faces? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are we really going on with donkey toes? Donkey toe. This is a feet themed podcast. <laughs> <laughs> For them people with the nanomed. We're not going to talk about feet fetishes, but. No, don't kink shame. No, no, I wasn't shaming. <laughs> I was just talking. <laughs> nice, nice. Okay, so we have a few announcements before we actually get into the juicy tales. The juicy details. Details, yeah. Um, we got. What do we want to do? Oh, yes. We would like to read out a wonderful review. That we got by another um, podcaster. Their podcast is called Aging Gay Millennial, which in itself is so fabulous. Doesn't um, it just describe like everyone that was born in the 90s? <laughs> everyone. <laughs> everyone is an aging gay millennial. We are all on some level an aging gay millennial. I mean, I am definitely an aging gay millennial. Okay, so. I am definitely aging and a millennial. Alright, so would you like to read that? Yes. Also, um, thanks for the five-star rating. So the title is Fun, Interesting, and Enchanting. I love listening to the hosts chat back and forth. Great stories about myths, legends, and lore. This podcast easily draws you in, and I can tell the hosts work so hard to constantly put out new content. Thanks for such a fun concept and interesting podcast. Oh, well, thank, thank you. you, aging gay millennial. That's really a lovely review, and I mean, I find it touching that you think we work hard. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah thank you so much that was really nice i've actually started listening to a few episodes of this podcast which um are actually really good um i, I decided to start with the awkward one where he speaks with his mother oh yeah it was um it was it, i got so stressed out eh? <laughs> i felt so stressed Wait, is, while it, listening to is it. it a coming out episode no but i mean it was a conversation with his mother for mother's day mm-hmm. about what it was like when he came out Oh, um, as interesting. A and you know, I can kind of relate. So I was like, oh my God, I'm so anxious right now. <laughs> You're getting secondhand. I had to pause it. I was like, I can't do this right now. Maybe later. <laughs> You're getting um, secondhand anxiety. Yeah, but it was really good. I think probably everyone has that moment 
Mm. Um, yeah, so, that, yeah, any other shout-outs for, for today? Um, I mean, the podcasting community has been so welcoming and so nice. Um, I handle like, Twitter and Instagram, and people are so amazing on there. I think there'll be too many to shout-out, to be honest. But you know who you are, because I will tell you later on Twitter. And then um, just a reminder about the listener episode submissions. We're still open to your stories, your scary stories, your wacky stories, your stories about, I don't know, buying bread, whatever it is. Anything you want, really. Yeah, anything you want to tell us about, please do send it to staylegendarypod at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, we're looking forward to more of those. We've got quite a few that have come in already. We haven't read or listened to them yet. We wanted to be a surprise, but we're quite excited about it. And um, also, just to let you guys know, we've changed our episode frequency to twice a week. It was getting a little tough doing it three times a week. I was definitely mm. losing motivation. Yeah. I think also there some of our episodes quite long, so I think two times is quite good. Yeah, so we now have new episodes coming out every Monday and Friday at an undisclosed location. <laughs> you will not know until you do. But uh, it starts with Apple and ends with podcasts. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> You'll never figure it out. Sometimes also, it's spot and sometimes it's iffy. Spot iffy. We'll never figure that out either. There's also Go Ogle podcast. <gasps> what is that? It's a new platform. Oh, okay. You probably yeah. haven't heard of Go Ogle. No, I don't think so. Hey? And uh, yeah, pretty much everywhere you listen to podcasts. So definitely keep your timetables open Mondays and Fridays mm -hmm. for listening to us. Oh, don't. I mean, it's fine. No pressure. Yeah, do what you want with your life. I mean, we only have this one life to live, and I intend to live it for my country. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Was, isn't that a quote from some U.S. president? Mm, Hoover? So. Hoover? Probably not, I don't know. Is that a name? Yeah, that's one of the oh, U.S. presidents. I thought it was a vacuum. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> right. And then also we have a new um, submission form on the website. If you haven't checked out our website yet, we'll um, have the link down below in the description. Please do submit your topic ideas, anything you want us to talk about, anything you think is interesting and you'd like to hear coming up on an episode. Mm -hmm. uh, once you go to the website just click on the contact us link and it'll take you to the submission form or if you want you can also email us directly we're always open to any kind of feedback from you guys uh, don't be shy yeah feel free to drop in feel free to invite us to your birthday parties slash weddings through uh, you know like zoom or something feel free to send many gifts <laughs> of an expensive nature to an undisclosed location Right, right. We'll pick it up at the drop site. <laughs> you know when. You know where. <laughs> oh, man. We are crazy this episode. Okay. Um, um, and lastly, a reminder to subscribe and review. If you like it, it really, really, really helps us out to get a review, you know, a nice review, and um, for you to hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss any episodes mm -hmm. and so that we know that we're getting a little bit of love. Like, we really like to produce this podcast, but we also really like to know that there are people out there who are following it, who are enjoying it, and so on. So, um, again, don't be scarce. Uh, subscribe and review. Follow us on social media. Yeah. Anything. Just let yourself be heard for your country. Enough for the country. <laughs> <clears throat>
So anything else? Are we done, done with your uh, announcements? I think that's it. Yeah, we should probably... I mean, people are probably switched off by now. You're right. They're like, these people... Uh, is this even an episode? Hello? Hello? Are they going to start talking about anything? <laughs> anything entertaining? Yeah. Um, whose turn is it? I have no idea. And because I was too lazy to listen to the previous episode, I decided we're going to play Rock, Paper, Scissors for who okay. start today. I'm so ready. Is it like one out of three or just one? No, it's, it's, it's going to be a sudden death. Okay, I'm ready. Okay. One, Rock, two, paper, three. scissors. Oh, what? A tie. Okay, okay we'll go again. One, two, three. Oh, wait, that's not anything. That's a trident. Trident trident rules everything. I thought it was a spork. Oh, I don't know why I went with trident. I got Poseidon on the brain. Excuse Shira me. literally just pulled a like, spork. Hmm. Spork uh, symbol. I think... Uh, this is like a mega scissors, which beats everything. <laughs> mega scissors. <laughs> mega scissors beats rock. Yeah, exactly. Okay, that was a dud. Come okay, on. Sorry, You're being sorry. boring. This I'm is sorry. the last one. Gotcha. Last one. Okay. Okay. One. Two, three. Ah, I win. Paper, paper. All right. Winner. I'm ready. Okay. You know who's not ready? You. When did you read your notes? (laughs) I didn't. Oh. Yeah. This is going to be fun. I just wrote them. I haven't actually read them. Uh Uh-oh. I always like to go on this journey with you. (laughs) You're like, wow, look at this. What the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I am ready to stumble through the dark portal. Okay. So, fun fact. Our first and actually only gaming console, as I'm sure you remember, was a white Xbox 360. Yeah, this is really random. No, no, it connects to the episode. Oh, okay. And the first game we ever played on it was the original Lara Croft. Oh, oh I think times. it was called Tomb Raider. Uh, yeah. Oh, the graphics are terrible, but at the time they were amazing. Yeah, I remember we were totally blown away. Mm. We were like, oh my goodness, 3D. Um. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we were used to uh, PC like Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, which uh, when you, if anyone has played that, you go through walls and like go through chests. Yeah, the <laughs> hedges were like those square pixelated yeah. things. Honestly, I have much fondness for those things. Yeah, but anyway, so um, Tomb Raider and the Xbox 360 were our original console. And I remember we were really excited about it um, since we were already like 16, 15, 16. Mm. And like I think most of the kids we knew had already had multiple consoles by that time. Like, you know, they'd had the old uh, Nintendo... What what are they called? Cubes? I I think it was a Nintendo The PlayStation was also around by then. Yeah. PlayStation 2 was already around. Yeah, PS1, PS2, probably... Yeah, PS3 came out at the same time as that Xbox. I think so. I think. So we didn't have the original Xbox. The original Xbox was just called Xbox. Yeah, we We started with the Xbox 360, and it was a white, (laughs) chunky (laughs) box. With a uh, a motor that just went, that made so much noise, it was great. Yeah, and uh, those, um, that line of Xboxes was actually notorious for the red ring of death problem. Oh my god. We actually went through two Xboxes that both had that problem, Mm. and it was hilarious because it was happening to so many people at the time, and people were just like, despairing left, right, and center. Yeah. Yeah, so, you know, before that, we'd been contenting ourselves with really low-res PC games, as we mentioned. And um, also the odd arcade game, you know, on the on the occasion at the local mall. Oh, yeah, very occasionally. Only when, like, cousins were around and stuff like that. Yeah, we, we have... weren't. We, we got into gaming pretty late. We were doing other random yeah, stuff. Yeah, I don't think we were ever major gamers. No, no. But I remember specifically with the arcade games, there was this... Well, what what do you call like an arcade complex at a mall called Fantasy Forest? 
Oh, yeah. And when we were kids, it was the absolute coolest thing. It was like, you know, the low light. They had the sort of fake forest theme. Mm, so it was like vines and, and fake trees and, and all kinds yeah. of things going on. And they're like green fairy lights going yeah. across the whole place. And then they had like every arcade game that, that you could want. And also all kinds of other fun things like uh, Dance Dance Revolution. <laughs> oh, gosh. Which I never did because I was too shy. Yeah, that used to be the ultimate cool kid thing to do mm, in yeah. the early 2000s. <laughs> True. It's like you always had the coolest girls up there and there was always a giant crowd around them. And we used to just go there to sort of bask in the glow <laughs> of popularity. I would kind of watch uh, watch them while stomping spiders. Oh, spider stomp. <laughs> and there was also that one with the crocodiles where the crocodiles used to come out and you had to like hit their jaws. That one and there was the hippo smash thing. Same thing, only with hippos. And um, at one point, we'd actually collected so many tickets that we had, like, this thick roll yeah. of tickets. I'm pretty sure we could have bought, I don't know, the, probably the biggest thing there. And it's so funny. We ended up collecting it for so long that the place actually closed down or we something. We never cashed it And we in. never cashed it in. So we just had these useless tickets. You see, you see what, you know what the moral behind that story is? What? Don't hoard people. Don't hoard it. Yeah, just cash in your tickets. Get a damn <laughs> pencil or something. Yeah, or sharpen it. Anyway, I would call us really light gamers. We haven't, after all, bought any new games since, like, 2012. I think the last thing we bought was an Assassin's Creed from way back when. Uh, nevertheless, we enjoy swiveling the odd joystick, which is why I thought you'd be excited. <laughs> oh my gosh, there is no need for... Do you enjoy swiveling the odd joystick? <laughs> I do enjoy the odd joystick, I yes. see. <laughs> Dirty. Dirty <laughs> mind. Um, which is why I thought Does the controller be... vibrate? <laughs> Never mind. Okay. Which is why I thought you'd be excited by my topic today. The legend of Polybius. Or Polybius. Oh, okay. Have you heard of it? I feel like it's ringing a bell, but it's not coming to me. But I'm really eager to see how this is connected to gaming. Okay, so Polybius sounds like ancient Greek, right? Mm. So apparently Polybius was an ancient historian who was adamant about evidence and witness-based history. Oh, that's where I heard him. Um, but don't worry, that's not actually... I'm not talking about the ancient philosopher today, because oh. that would be stepping on your territory. I don't mind. I'm talking about something quite different. The 1980s legendary arcade game, Polybius, ah, what? <laughs> that physically attacked its players. What? In a manner of speaking. What the fuck? Okay, I'm ready. So an exciting but also potentially frustrating thing about this game is that very little is known about it. Even its existence has been brought into question. Oh. Although the game supposedly belongs to the 1980s era of peak arcade gaming, the first real information about this game surfaced in 2000, when the ROM file surfaced and uh, information on it was posted in a coin-op forum. This is so interesting because it's, it's, it's so new, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, okay, I get that 2000 was a while ago now, but it's so yeah, modern. 20 years ago, in fact. Like, I work in the ancient times, so this is really, really new. Yeah, so anyway, for those who are like me, completely clueless about technology and whatnot a rom file i think is just like a kind of um, memory storage mm, um, that unit that stores information about the game on it and uh, the coin up forum is a forum that uh, gives a little bit of information about old arcade games and things like that oh, okay so the information found on the rom file for polybius was pretty sparse uh, basically, it just indicated that the game was a one- or two-player, coin-operated, as all your arcade games of that type were. And there was a copyright tag for the year 1981 under the company name 
uh, it's German, so I'm going to say this wrong probably. Sinuslöschen oh. or Sinuslöschen. How's it spelled? Sinuslöschen. <laughs> Maybe that is exactly how you pronounce it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which in idiomatic German apparently means rather ominously sense delete or sense deprivation. Ooh, okay. So, yeah, an interesting company name there. Yeah. Now, these games began showing up in Portland, Oregon in 1981, at a time when such a thing was quite uncommon. And um, there were very few of the arcade games that showed up that were still quite rare at the time. Mm. Uh, as the legend goes, the game was an instant hit with kids forming long lines behind the cabinet to get a turn at it. The game quickly became addictive and people started noticing the strange and sinister effects it had on the children. Some became nauseous, experienced seizures, or reported horrific night terrors. Others even attempted suicide, okay. claiming they were not in control of their own minds, and uh, once they were, you know, stopped or saved or whatever, they couldn't remember their reasons for trying to kill themselves. Whoa. Yeah, so very spooky. Yeah. But if you thought that was weird, there's another detail to the story that makes it even weirder. All right. Legend claims that the Polybius machines were serviced more often than usual, specifically by strange men dressed all in black. What the fuck? These men regularly collected data from the machine until, just a month after its appearance, Polybius disappeared off the market without a trace. Oh my god, these, this is an alien. These are aliens, aren't they? Is this an alien story? Please well, tell me it's an alien story. Interestingly, this whole men in black concept is kind of linked to to like the idea of the the movie Men in Black, where they're all government agents all right. concealing the existence of aliens and yes. so on. But I mean, this itself hasn't actually been linked with alien theories. It's just that the prevailing theory is that the Men in Black uh, were CIA agents involved in the infamous MK Ultra project. Have you heard of it? Uh, yeah, I think so. It was it, didn't they perform experiments allegedly perform experiments on American citizens? Yeah. Like the whole thing that happens in um, Strange Things. Yeah, exactly. Very much like a Stranger Things. So, thing. so Project um, MK Ultra was a real CIA program conducted in the mid twentieth century, involving the administration of mind altering drugs like LSD, heroin, morphine, and temazepam, among other things, to human subjects. With the aim of discovering mind control for military use. Which is so exciting. I mean, I mean, sorry. I mean, it's awful. horrible. <laughs> terrible. Honestly, it's a, honestly a horrible thing, but it's so exciting. I mean, definitely very cloak and dagger. Yeah, I love it. Uh, the test subjects included US and Canadian citizens. <gasps> they tested on Canadians? <laughs> I know. I mean, how could, you, to how I mean, could <laughs> you do anything to Canadians? Yeah, they're, they're so sweet. sweet. <laughs> they have maple syrup in the blood, you know. We're making it seem like Americans are horrible. Oh <laughs> uh, no, that wasn't the implication I at mean, all. I mean, you know, it seemed to be okay with experimenting on Americans. <laughs> well, true. it was a CIA project. Experiment yeah, I mean, on your it's own people. Exactly, you know? um, so some of the experiments involved hypnosis, electroshocks, sensory deprivation, and oh. other forms of torture. Sensory deprivation. Right, so it kind of fits with that whole sinuslöffen mm. thing that we were talking about. So anyway, that's the MK Ultra project. And... People thought that the people, the CIA agents involved in this project were the same ones that were servicing the Polybius machines. Okay. So, unfortunately, that's pretty much all we know about the game itself, since to this day no copies of the game have ever been found. And we don't even know what type of game it was. I mean, some sources claim that the game involved a combination of vector and raster graphics, and that there were some puzzle elements in it. But there's really very little 
more information on on this legend and how it came about and things like that. Which is weird considering how many people oh, apparently were so interested in it. You know, how many kids are playing it, you think. Right, there would so be more attention. there are people to this day who still claim that they played on uh, the cabinets and oh. and that they became ill and things like that. But it's like nobody can tell you what it, the game was about because, I mean, it was only around for a month, so there's not mm. a lot of information on it. However, we do have some facts and a little bit of insight as, as to where this legend could have come from. So around the time of the supposed Polybius incident, there were several accounts of children who did fall ill while playing arcade games. One of them was 12-year-old Brian Morrow, who became ill after playing 28 straight hours of the game. What? Uh, well, he, not Polybius, but he was playing Asteroids, and he'd been drinking Coca-Cola. So wait, he was playing at an arcade for 28 hours. How is that possible? I mean, Well, I mean, there were no rules against how long you could play there. My God, who are his parents? <laughs> A lot of people in the 80s had latchkey parents. They weren't uh, really sort of keeping tabs that's true. of what the kids were doing, especially, you know, during summertime. On the same day, another child had a seizure while playing Tempest, a uh, popular game by Atari. Uh, Atari was obviously a very popular game maker at the time. I don't remember it, actually. No, I mean, when I say at the time, like the 80s. Okay, then I definitely <laughs> don't remember it. <laughs> we were not born. <laughs> the disorienting graphics of this game make some people suspect that the origins of the Polybius legend may have actually stemmed from Tempest. Oh. Then a week later, 18-year-old competitive gamer Jeff Daly died due to a heart oh, attack God. after chasing the world record in the, the game called uh, Berserk. One year later, 19-year-old Peter Brokowski followed suit for the same reason, playing the same game. Okay, this is because they play irresponsibly. Right, so... I think there's a lot of factors involved here. It could be, you know, the nature of the game itself that um, induces things like seizures. It could be uh, congenital like, issues yeah. uh, with the, the children themselves. And then, of course, yeah, irresponsible gaming. Yeah. But the point is, there were a lot of kids getting very ill or dying um, at this time, mm. at the time at which the Polybius legend came about. Added to this, it is true that government agents could sometimes be found around arcade arenas in Portland. The reason, though, was not to recruit children through a super-secret video game-themed project, <laughs> but to conduct drug and gambling busts. Oh. So according to Todd Luoto, one of the makers of the Kickstarter documentary The Polybius Conspiracy, which unfortunately did not actually receive enough funds from their Kickstarter project to actually be made, oh, no. there were FBI... Sorry, this is a quote by Todd Luoto. Mm. There were FBI that came up to the Portland area and placed hidden cameras and actually tracked people through their high-score initials that they left. There were actually FBI raids that people remember. Well, but then they remember that there actually were these men in black figures that would go there as well. Okay. Oh, so these are separate to the agents that they recognized. Yeah, so there were the FBI raids and then there were also these kind of like CIA men in black okay. people that, that actually used to visit gaming arcades at the time. So then added to this, there is a guy named Steve Roach. He's a commenter on the CoinUp forum who, in 2006, claimed that he helped build the game, which was commissioned by a South American company. According to him, the game was released in a sort of early test run in a small market, and after children experienced seizures while playing was quickly withdrawn. But there's a bit of a problem with this because um, CoinUp, uh, you know, the forum itself, has actually rebutted Roach's claims. 
and in the description box on Polybius, they say Stephen Roach is full of himself and knows nothing about this game. We have it on good authority. Oh, okay. So it seems to have been pretty much debunked. Mm. I mean, here's where things get a little bit more complicated, though, because there is actually a real guy named Steve Roach. Oh. And we don't know if the commenter on the coin-op forum is the real Steve Roach or an imitator. Because the real Steve Roach had a company in Mexico that ran behavior modification experiments on children. Which some thought um, of as brainwashing, actually. Mm. The company was shut down by the government for its abusive practices, and Roach and his wife became fugitives shortly thereafter. Interesting. So it's not clear whether the coin-op commenter is an imitator or the real Steve Roach. Right. Okay, so my last points are just on the effect Polybius has had on pop culture. Uh, the legend inspired two actual games, okay. Polybius for PC in 2007 and a version for PlayStation in 2017. The PC game is a 2D shooter, loosely modeled after the legendary arcade game, and is compatible with PCs that can be mounted inside arcade game cabinets. Ooh. So that's really cool. You can actually kind of have a simulated experience of playing the original arcade game, Interesting. but on a PC. I assume without the... Uh... Yeah, I mean, I think that they tried to um, include the really chaotic graphics and things like that to Mm. give you an authentic experience, but but yeah. Mm. I mean, nowadays, uh, for every game, they have um, visual warnings. Right. Maybe because of this, I don't know. Who knows? (laughs) Maybe it stems from the Polybius legend. Mm. Uh, The 2017 game is also a shooter with some racing elements as well. Mm -hmm. Then in 1984, a movie called The Last Starfighter involving a man in black recruiting a team for his epic video game skills, was released. Uh, the Polybius Cabinet also appears in a 2006 episode of The Simpsons, in which the Cabinet has the words property of the US government emblazoned oh. upon it. So that was quite a cute, snarky reference there. <laughs> yeah. The video series Doomsday Arcade by Escapist Magazine is also based on the legend. Mm-hmm. There's also some more funky stuff, like um, a bar in Brooklyn, which uh, in the Halloween of 2012 put up a Polybius-inspired arcade cabinet. It was actually a mock-up mm. of the um, well of what we think the original cabinet looked like, okay. and it was hilarious because it was posted on the bar's Instagram, and a lot of people commented saying, um, "Oh, you know, they played the original game, and they hope that this isn't an actual cabinet <laughs> because that would be problematic." And yeah. And yeah, it really, I think, uh, duped a lot of people. Mm. And I actually located that Instagram post. Oh, okay. Yeah, so um, look out for on our Instagram. We'll get a picture yeah, up there. Yeah. Um, I started to ask, this, this company, this the German company, we don't know anything more about them. No, yeah, we, we know nothing about the company, nothing about what happened to the game. But they exist, the company does exist. Uh, you know, I'm sure. We just know that that was the copyright mark on the ROM file. Yeah, man, this is this is some serious Stranger Things. Got some serious Stranger Things vibe going on. Yeah, it also reminded me a lot of a book, and also I think it was recently adapted um, by Steven Spielberg into a movie, Ready Player One. Oh yeah. Yeah, I don't know if you've um, ever read it, but it's basically a sort of tour de force of '80s pop culture, mm. and a lot of it is based around arcade games and. Um, early console games specifically so this really gave me a lot of those vibes as well that was a really fun movie yeah so anyway uh that is the legend of polybius so interesting the arcade game that could be the last you ever play yeah that's so fascinating i've never heard of that 
why is it called Polybius? Yeah, that's another <laughs> question. You know? So I'm like, okay, so named after, was it named after the Greek, the ancient Greek dude? Or like, yeah. did he give people seizures? I mean, it's, a, it's another point that people find sort of humorously ironic because there's some there's been so much misinformation and a lot of um, sort of red herrings associated with this legend Hmm. and it's just funny that polybius was a man who firmly believed that all history should be based on witness accounts yeah and and not hearsay so maybe it was ironic then maybe he died of seizures i should investigate this (laughs) (laughs) who knows Maybe it was an ancient Greek arcade game. <laughs> Maybe Polybius himself mysteriously disappeared. <laughs> Taken away in men in black togas. <laughs> questions. Questions that need answers. <laughs> so my sources for today were Atlas Obscura, Eurogamer.net, and, of course, Wikipedia. Of course. <laughs> that was great. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, not often you get a legend around video games. Yeah, yeah, I think because it's, it's so modern. It's such a modern concept, you know, you don't think about it being a legend. Although one day, Assassin's Creed shall be a legend. Just a figment of future children's imaginations. Yes, yes. Although, considering we have the internet, nothing is really a legend anymore. Okay, so, are you ready for my story? I'm so ready, girlfriend. Okay, guess what? Guess what it is? Origin story time. Origin story. Those are my favorite stories. Oh, yeah? Yep. Yep. Origin stories, hands down, every time. Every Marvel movie that's my favorite <laughs> has always been, like, the first one in the series. Yeah, that's true. Iron Man 1, Captain America, uh, the first Avenger, mm. the first Guardians of the Galaxy. Origin stories rule. Even, you know, the movie Wolverine, Origins. <laughs> well, it's actually better than the other Wolverine movies. It's better than all the, the, the all Better the than all movies. 257 other Wolverine movies. Put together. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... It is time to look at the origin of vampires and zombies. Yeah! Wait, vampires and zombies? Yes, I shall clarify now what is happening. Well, can you clarify after those annoying birds stop cawing? I don't know whether people in other parts of the world uh, know about this, but there's a specific type of ibis (laughs) that haunts the streets of South African cities. At least the two cities that I've lived in. <laughs> and they are the noisiest fucking birds you will ever find. Yeah. Are their names actually Hadidas or is it just we call them? Uh, yeah, the sort of colloquial name is Hadida, but mm. it's actually a type of ibis. Big fucking bird. Ugly too. Noisy. Disgusting. Look like tiny dinosaurs. They leave giant shits everywhere. <laughs> That's true. Right. Um, the term vampire and zombie obviously did not exist in ancient times, but the concept behind these popular supernatural creatures did. So the reason I'm looking at them together is that often in ancient lore, the like vampiric and zombie-like creatures were merged together. Okay. So these creatures exhibited both, someone's going to say symptoms, but both characteristics. Well, I mean, they're both supposed to be the walking dead, yeah, essentially. Exactly. So um, from folklore from various places in the world contained references to vampire-like or zombie-like creatures. Um, the very first civilization to speak of vampires, in a way, were the Persians. Excavated pottery shards depicted creatures attempting to drink blood from men. Pottery shards? Pottery shards. That's a weird thing to paint on a damn pot. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's art. It's like <laughs> other people, other kids out here putting like, Love you, mommy and daddy and flowers. <laughs> and there's one emo kid in the corner just like, vampires. <laughs> it's like someone draining someone else's blood. It's like, I start fires. 
there's always that one emo kid. Yeah. Um, so I just want to look at a few examples in different types of places. So in Hindu folklore, we have the creature called Vatala, which is a kind of a mix of both zombies and vampires, as I said. So the Vatala, who are reanimated corpses, um, well, actually, they, so these creatures are sort of like demon slash spirits, and they would reanimate corpses and use them as vehicles for movement. So while inhabited by the Vatala, the corpse will no longer decay. So this is where it's more like vampire, less like zombie. So to be clear, they were using dead people as body suits. Body suits, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the, they would hang around graveyards, and then they would choose like, fresh corpses oh interesting yeah to sort of get into they weren't usually malicious they could leave they could possess and leave the body at will. they kind of just wanted to like walk around in fresh bodies yep i mean just understandable sort of, you know, feel like what living is like um the only thing the only time you could really see that um this was actually a dead person because they don't decay is because their hands and feet would point backwards <laughs> <laughs> a bit of a giveaway yeah i mean unless they're wearing how do they wear shoes well i suppose you would wear the shoes the normal way around you'd just be walking backwards <laughs> <laughs> oh man okay so um there's a one major text that talks about the tala which uh, and i apologize for my pronunciation um the batal pachisi also called vikram and the vampire vikram and the vampire i know right okay the name of my new punk rock band <laughs> vikram and the, and the vampire <laughs> So this is an ancient text written in Sanskrit uh, by the dramatist Bhuti, sometime in the 8th century AD. So the story goes that King Vikram sees a Vatala hanging upside down on a tree branch, like a bat, mm-hmm. and decides, hey, I'm going to capture this thing. I don't know why, it wasn't doing anything to him, but, you know, kings. <laughs> so the Vatala evades him for a bit, but eventually offers to bargain with the king. He says that he'll tell King Vikram 25 stories, and at the end of each story, he will ask the king a riddle. If the king guesses it correctly, then he must let the Vatala go free. If he guesses the riddle incorrectly... Ah, motorbike. Right. <laughs> motorbike, motorbike. Sorry. All about that motorbike. Bike, 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 So he's going to ask King Vikram um, 25 riddles. If the king guesses the riddle correctly, he must let the Vatala go. If he guesses it incorrectly, he can capture the Vatala. Okay, so like a Sphinx-type situation. Kind of, only it's actually a bit backwards. Because he says that if the king guesses the riddle correctly, he lets the Vatala go, which isn't oh, what right. you think. Yeah, that's now, true. The reason, it is a bit backwards. Yeah. So the reason behind this is because he knows that King Vikram will know the answer to these riddles. And he knows also... I'm saying he, but I don't know whether Vitala has a gender. Uh, the Vitala knows that the king won't be able to resist giving the correct answer. Oh, so he's kind of playing into his ego. Exactly. Smart. So King Vikram uh, finds out that he knows the answer to the first story and cannot help but answer it correctly. This continues to happen until the 25th riddle, which King Vikram is finally unable to answer. Well, why would the Vitala push it that far? Like, just ask two damn riddles <laughs> and get going. I think it was kind of fun, but, you know, it's kind of reminding me a little bit of um, when... Gollum in Lord of the Rings uh, was doing the riddles with Voldemort. Riddles in the dark. <laughs> yeah, but they were, he was kind of enjoying it at that same time getting frustrated. Yeah, by the fact that Voldemort was actually trying to get away. It's kind of addictive. It becomes mm. a battle of egos and wolves. Yeah, I'm going to say this Vitala uh, was a guy. <laughs> Sadly sounds... Okay, never mind. <laughs> okay, so, yeah. So eventually King Vikram was not able to answer the last riddle. But before he could capture the Vatala, it revealed that the yogi Shantishal was plotting to kill the king. 
And so Vikram chooses to let the Vitala go in gratitude. And weirdly enough, they become friends. Oh, interesting. Yeah, they become like besties. Because, I mean, who would not want a kind of dead but not gooey creature to be your friend who can tell you when people are spying on you? Yeah, I mean, sounds like my idea of a best friend. Yeah. yeah. A recently <laughs> reanimated corpse. It's like, I'll tell you about your enemies. Just give me a fresh corpse every once in a while. Sounds great. <laughs> yeah, sounds like a fair trade. <laughs> so a slightly more disturbing zombie slash vampire type creature from Hindu folklore are the Prashachas. These guys were flesh-eating creatures with bulging veins and protruding red eyes. Oh, no. So the Prashachas prefer dark spaces and they inhabit cremation grounds or graveyards along with Vitalas. They possess the ability to shapeshift and assume any form at will. And they also may become invisible. Oh, I'm sorry. Shapeshifting and invisibility. Now, doesn't this kind of sound very vampiric? I mean, are they the whole fucking X-Men put into one? So, like, you know how the Twilight vampires have, like, 100 million abilities? Including sparkling in the sunlight? Right. It's kind of like that. Hey. Only this. Only more rotting. Yeah, this handsome and charming. and More yeah. bulgy eyes. Yeah. yeah. Got you. So, they, um, also, interestingly enough, they feed on human energy. Not, like, they, they say flesh-eating. So they would eat the flesh, but what they were actually getting was the energy of the humans, not so much the meat. The meat itself, okay. Yeah. Um, sometimes they would possess human beings and alter the human's thoughts, making the vic- their victims um, go insane. I don't know why they would do that, just for fun. Uh, certain mantras were supposed to cure such uh, people and drive the creature away, including giving offerings during certain religious functions and festivals. So it was thought that these creatures were actually created by the um, creator god Brahma. Okay, yeah. Which seems a bit odd. Like, why would he create such things? But I have learned not to question gods. I mean, let's be honest. If there's anything we've learned from ancient mythology, it's that gods like to do things just for the shits and giggles. Yeah, true, true. Um, So these creatures could also occur in Thai folklore. So... So moving on, in Mesopotamian folklore, specifically folklore in Babylonia and Assyria, we have the mythical woman Lilithu, which eventually gave rise to Lilith, oh. Adam's first wife. Of course, the infamous biblical demon. Well, exactly. is she biblical? Well, she's Christian. It's a Christian uh, mythology. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so that was very interesting that it started there. Lilithu was considered a demon and comparable also to the modern concept of vampires. She was often depicted as drinking the blood of babies and would stalk new mothers at night, waiting for an opportunity to steal the child and drink it dry. Oh, that's disgusting. And then return the shriveled baby into the cradle. Uh -uh. (laughs) Uh-uh. No, no, nasty. I don't like that at all. Okay, sorry. I thought it was pretty interesting. So in Greek and Roman myth, there were several precursors to modern vampires, though none of them were considered to be undead. So these included... The Empusa and Lamia. So Empusa was apparently apparently the daughter of the goddess Hecate, which uh, I think I spoke about her. Yes, she was in the episode uh, with Demeter, the Mother's Day episode. Yes, yes, um, goddess of magic. She um, brought Demeter into the underworld. Yeah, check it out, episode 8, Cash Crop Me Outside, how about that? <laughs> A great name, great name. Um, yeah, so she, Empusa was apparently the daughter of Hecate and was described as a demonic bronze-footed creature. She feasted on blood by transforming into a young, beautiful woman, seducing oh. men, okay, and drinking their blood while they slept. All right, girl, get yours, right? Now what's interesting is that they don't say that she kills them, so I, I, I imagine like she just takes a little bit afterwards. Yeah, I mean, why not? I mean, that she'd just be like, no, no, it's a hickey, it's fine, it's all good, <laughs> carry on, carry on. <laughs> Talk about a love bite. <laughs> um, also, it's smart to do while they sleep so that they recover the energy. <laughs> right. <laughs> Then we have the uh, Lamia, 
who was apparently uh, originally a daughter of a king, so it was a mortal woman, who became the secret lover of Zeus. Okay. I have to say, first time I've ever heard of Zeus having a secret lover. Usually, <laughs> usually his exploits are splashed all around the town, and then Hera gets her knickers in the knot. Yeah, so I think he was really trying to like keep this on the low, but of course, Hera found out. Obviously. So Hera decided to kill Lamia's children. Oh. Um, Lamia swore vengeance and preyed on young children in their beds at night, sucking their blood in revenge. Ooh, like a, mm. a La Llorona type. Yeah, thing. yeah. Did she also suck blood? No, no, but she used to drown kids because oh. something about having drowned her own children in real life. Oh, okay. Yeah, so that was also pretty creepy. Then we have folklore from Ghana and Togo. Um, I spoke about some other folklore in, where was it? But Anansi. Right, right. Yeah, so. well, Anansi was also West African. Yeah, so it's interesting that um, we're back to that folklore. So there were two creatures in this in these folklore. There was the Asanbosam and the Sasabamsam. Mm-hmm. They're also very similar to vampires. So both beings are very similar to each other in terms of their habitat and feeding practices, but they differ in that the Sasanbosam are more like to bats in appearance as they have wings, while the Asanbosam are more humanoid, although their legs are hooked and their teeth are made of iron. So that's very interesting, the um, connection to bats in both European folklore and in African folklore. Yeah, and I don't know whether it's actually all coming down to an underlying fear of of the <laughs> the sounds simplistic but like of things swooping on you in the night yeah i mean that makes sense actually yeah. and also of course the real vampire bat which even though it takes very small amounts of blood mm. and painlessly is still i suppose um a concept that must have sort of horrified people yeah and also this whole idea of like the vatada in hindu folklore hung upside down in the tree Oh, right. Yeah, so we're even going so far as Asia. Yeah, and now these guys, they actually, so the Asan Basam use their hook legs to hang from trees as well. So I it's have very... to say, I find it absolutely fascinating that in ancient times, when there really wasn't a lot of cultural exchange between countries, mm. and especially between continents with vast oceans separating them, that we can find such commonalities between folklore Yeah. And I mean, even language for that matter, it's it's really fascinating. It kind of really shows you more than anything else that there are certain elements that connect humanity as a whole, mm. you know, and it doesn't matter where you come from. I mean, there was a lot of um, exchange, actually, uh, more exchange than we think through trade empires. And it's actually like, for example, Alexander the Great travel all the way to India. So there would have been some exchange there. The Roman Empire and the Axumite Empire of Ethiopia were also right. um, in connection with each other. At one time, the Romans tried to occupy Ethiopia, but they gave up under yeah because the Ethiopians were just too freaking badass. Right. <laughs> so like, and then obviously we have the Egyptians with the Romans. A lot of exchange there. The Carthaginians from northern Africa meeting with the Romans. Um, there is actually a lot of exchanges going on but i don't think we fully understand you know the how much information can be transferred like that yeah i mean i don't know whether folklore itself would have been transferred or whether similarities would have been taken or whether as you say we just like have a commonality going between all these yeah I, I mean i just think it's fascinating yeah um so yeah so the asan basam had hook legs and iron teeth they would live in the forest, up in trees, and feed mainly on those who unwittingly wandered into their territory. So what they would do is that they watch silently from their perch, 
And at the right time, they'd pounce on their prey, ripping out their throats with iron teeth. Ooh, iron teeth. Now that's mm. a detail that really gets yeah. me. Yeah, I don't know how, how they managed to get iron teeth, to be honest. Like, which dentist did they go to? <laughs> right? <laughs> and can I have his number? Because I have to say, I would like iron teeth. Right? You could eat anything. Well, I mean, okay, I suppose I would actually prefer stainless steel because iron would rust. Mm, that's true. So I'll get myself some of those uh, stainless steel polymer teeth. <laughs> <laughs> Um, the Sasabonsam also lived in trees and would drain the blood of those who wandered into their territory. But while they had the face of a human and a more or less humanoid body, their arms were short, much shorter, so they were out of proportion and stubby. And they had huge wings which spanned roughly 20 feet. Holy shit. I know. That's, I mean. Like, can you imagine hugging one of those things? It would just like wrap you in a warm wing hug. Yeah, right before they bite into you with their steel, with their iron teeth. I mean, yeah, but well, at least they would be comforting at the end. <laughs> <laughs> and grope you with their stubby arms. <laughs> be like, the T-Rex. <laughs> yeah. Um, so these creatures are sometimes described as having emaciated bodies and twisted feet. Uh, and some myths also have them having claws and horns. It kind of reminded me a little bit of um, that movie. Oh no, what was it called? Oh, I can't remember. No, it was a horror movie. Mm-hmm. It had this like red... My friend from It had this red devil-like creature that had horns. And I think it had these huge wings as well. Claws and teeth and decent feet, something like this. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Nosferatu. Insidious? Was it insidious? Maybe. Um, and uh, sometimes they would also have iron teeth, like the Asanbosam. So other vampiric and zombie creatures also existed in uh, many other culture- cultures. So like in Celtic mythology, you would find these kind of creatures. But they popped up more in the medieval period. So I'm not going to touch on those. Okay, interesting. That's more your territory. I mean, I guess with mythology, you don't know when they came about. But it was interesting, it was interesting the similarities between them. But I wanted to talk about these particular ones because it was, as you say, I wanted to see look at the similarities. We've got Hindu mythology, Mesopotamian, Greek, Roman, and then African folklore. Yeah. It's very interesting to see the different ideas, yet they're so similar. So that was, bit, that was quite short, but that's what we have for ancient origins of vampires and zombies. Wow, that is absolutely fascinating and terrifying at the same time. Yeah, although, I mean, I thought the Fatala was very sophisticated. You know, it's also quite amazing to me to think that these myths have been so enduring because Mm. we're looking at BCE and then hundreds of years later, Bram Stoker would write Dracula that would become pretty much the first um, gothic horror novel of modern literature. Mm. And up till today, vampires really capture the imaginations of of everyone, you know, of people in in different um, cultures and countries. Yeah. And I do wonder, you know, what is so enduring about the idea of the blood drinker? I don't know. I mean, we still have, well, we don't have vampires in that they're not dead people, but we do have people who drink blood. uh, Right. Real vampires. For health purposes. (laughs) (laughs) Um, With willing people who offer themselves for that. Um, I mean, I don't think it's... uh, I don't think people approve of it generally, but I mean, it's interesting that like people still think that's a thing that is fine to do. Yeah. <laughs> Some people. Um, but what I also thought was fascinating is that when you say vampire, you think of uh, European heritage, right? Mm-hmm. And yet the very first, like the two first early accounts of vampiric like creatures... Was in Hindu folklore. Was Persian and Hindu folklore, and yeah. then Mesopotamian. Then yeah. it was the Greek and Romans. Right. Um, I think, but that's sort of a usual Eurocentric 
sort of <laughs> whitewashing. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. But um, yeah, so it's interesting to uncover these origins. It kind of makes you appreciate the complexity of, of these of folklore in these places. Yeah, absolutely. I would say bring back the Vitala. Like, forget the <laughs> European vampire. That trope has been so used and overused mm. in movies, TV series, books. Start writing about the Vitala, guys. I mean, maybe um, they had, you know, I, I must actually check. Maybe they have been like a movie adaptation of Vikram and the Vampire. If not, that is a Kickstarter project I will happily find. <laughs> you copyright that. Yeah, yeah, somebody write that down. <laughs> oh, cartoon strip would be so cute. Uh, sure, yeah, that's definitely... No, yeah, like, it'd be... <laughs> I'm imagining it right now. It'd be Vikram, but Vikram would be a kid, right? And okay. his childhood friend is a baby Vitala. <laughs> How cute! And, like, their parents don't approve of them being friends. Oh. So they meet secretly in the forest, and they, like, play ball. It's like a twisted Calvin and Hobbes. No, no, wait, they play in the graveyard. <laughs> yeah, it's a Twisted Calvin Hobbes. I love it. Somebody do that. <laughs> no, no, no. Copyright. We'll oh, do it. Oh, we'll, right. do it. <laughs> we'll do it. Yeah. <laughs> With what skills? <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Um, references were just um, vampires.com. Okay. A very straightforward site. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, definitely does what it says on the tin. Yeah. There's actually so much more information. So if you want to go on there and check it out. Um, and of course, Wikipedia. So um, I think, you know, all that remains to be said is, well, apologies for all the background noise that we've heard in this episode. I'm sure yeah. you guys have heard the endless stream of motor vehicles, people screaming. I think there was an odd police call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this appears to be a very busy time of day, even in lockdown. So yeah, I imagine a lot of people getting rebellious and flouting the rules at this time. Mm. So I think everyone's trying to get everything done before curfew. Right, yeah. So it's like, freedom! <laughs> not a quiet country at the best of times in South Africa <laughs> no we're very loud people yeah we're boisterous mm. flamboyant even yeah yeah <laughs> we have conversations like two streets down from each other <laughs> yeah that's just so like true. a lot of what are you saying and then everyone just shouts louder <laughs> instead of you know walking closer and I think with the face masks people are actually yelling louder than they usually would mm. and they're now standing heard. six feet apart yeah, <laughs> absolutely. So, well, apologies about that. Hopefully there will be less birds and cars and whatnot mm. next time. I just thought of a creepy um, coincidence. Yeah? Isn't the standard uh, distance for a... I mean, like, <laughs> what should I say? For uh, burying people, don't you have to dig six feet into the ground? Um. Yeah, six feet under? Yeah. <laughs> oh, you find it a uh, creepy coincidence that that's also the social distancing. It's like uh, stand six feet apart or go six feet under, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's creepy. Oh, I you, should, myself you should write campaign slogans. <laughs> <laughs> for the Vitala for president? Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't mind submitting to our Vitala overlord. <laughs> v for Vitala. I like it. I like it. <laughs> All right, well, thanks. That was good. Yeah, that was great. So um, we'll be back on Friday mm -hmm. with uh, hopefully our listener episode, depending on how many submissions we get. Yes. Remember, that's still going to be open. We're still going to be open for submissions um, until Thursday. And you can now also submit on the website if you want to. So tell us your personal lives. Yeah. Where do you go shopping? What do you think of the grapefruit? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> what does the broccoli plant mean to you? symbolically yeah and like what is your relationship with your father 
Throwback to episode one. Anyway. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know how boring our stories are. Don't feel pressured. Also, you know how boring our lives are, so... Basically, anything going on in anyone else's lives is interesting. Yeah, entertain us. Be our friends. <laughs> We're <alumni. laughs> Um. Yeah, and, you know, keep uh, keeping on, basically. What is this, week 50 of lockdown in South Africa? And, yeah. Uh, I don't... I mean, week 50, day 50. <laughs> <laughs> week 50. It has been 50 weeks. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, so many other places are locked on or easing lockdown. So good luck with all that. I hope this has made you laugh in some way. That is kind of our main, our main goal. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Laugh and inform and just kind of generally freak you out and make you wonder what's wrong with us. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so until Friday, stay safe, stay sexy, and stay legendary. Bye!